0: Welcome. Uh like we said this is our first podcast. Uh, uh Cory, I'm sure you and I will be stumbling through it a little bit, but this is going to be the fun part.
1: It's going to be so fun, Joe.
0: Yeah, you know, we're going to get an opportunity tonight to talk about uh who we are and why um why we're doing this.
1: Yeah. No, lots of good content for sure to follow.
0: I'll jump off right off the bat, Corey, and I kind of I'll I'll explain a little bit to the audience who I am and um, then I'm going to toss it, you know, pass it off to you, and we kind of explain a little bit about who we are and how we got into the industry. Um, man, this go obviously it goes back a little bit farther for me than you. <laughs> but um, I, I when we when we started setting this up, I was kind of thinking, now how far back do we go? But I cannot, all the way,
1: Joe, all the way back.
0: I, you know, and I wrote that down because I think I can. I remember the first time my goal uh, going through high school when I started going to college was uh, I was going to be a landscape architect, but uh, I struggled with school. I'm not going to get you wrong. So instead of finishing, I ended up joining the Marine Corps, but uh, it all started in junior high on a project in a school atrium. And I had this uh, teacher that was working with this project where we were landscaping. And even in 77 and 1978, back in, Seventh grade, he couldn't believe how what an eye I had for the grain industry, for where to plant what and what. And I'm like, so he was an awesome uh, science professor, uh, teacher. I, uh, I wish I could remember his name, but, you know, it was a long time ago. And that, that kick-started it. And then two years later, on the family farm is my first experience with a chainsaw at 14. You know, clearing stuff, running chainsaws at 14. And once I had a chainsaw in my hand, and I'm not sure if it's the same with you, Corey, is that the sound, the smell, the feel, the, the, the feel in your hand, the sense oh, yeah. of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Brother, I was hooked. So at 14, which is going to be 42 years ago. Wow, that's a lot of math, Joe. Um, I started working with chainsaws and loved it. Uh, got in, you know, and I never, even back then, I didn't know that there was a, a profession of tree care. You know, I didn't, I was, I don't, I'm not going to say I'm naive, but it was just was never on my radar. Um, and again, like I said, all the way through high school, doing tree work for family and friends, cutting stuff up with my chainsaw. And then uh, it really didn't take a turn towards professional arbor until I got out of the Marine Corps um, still doing tree work and <coughs> well, got to wet my whistle.
1: <laughs> it's always a good time for
0: that. Um, I was, uh, I was doing a bunch of odd jobs. I was an exterminator, got my pesticide applicators license. I uh, was still doing tree work on the side. Like everybody does tree work on the side. It seemed like, but I did, I really did not know about ISA TCIA or anything professional about arboriculture. Then I signed on with my first. I finally just said, man, I love this too much. Picked up the, back when you would uh, look for a job in the newspaper, there was a tree care company not far from my house hiring. And it, they, at first they hired me only because I had a pesticide applicators card. So I could, I never sprayed a tree or did anything plant healthcare in my life. So like, all right. So I hired in, man, I, I loved it. They introduced me to ISA. Uh, the name of the company was Alpine Tree Care, and Steve Podgwick, uh, the owner, and I are still pretty good friends. Uh, he comes over, and uh, he'll have a pop with me, uh, adult beverage, or what do you call them, Polish sodas? Or That's
1: right. That's right. Polish sodas.
0: <laughs> We've had a few of them here around the wood-burning stove. And then, uh, you know, the years went by working with him. He introduced me to professional arbor culture. Um, times got tight. In the early 90s, I got laid off and got picked up with another tree care company called Chaz F Irish. Uh, Chaz F Irish, at that time that I hired in, was a 97 year old company. Wow. And that's where my love of history and my love of arbor culture blended. Hmm. And uh, during my time there, uh, a lot of guys in the industry, some of the old timers, even um, Ed Irish, who is on the video Legends of Arbor Culture, is who I worked for, uh, ISA's 75th anniversary. It was in the 90s. So wow. I worked for Ed Irish, his son, Chuck. Uh, and then, lo and behold, an invasive insect, Emerald borer, landed on a, sc- uh, on a radar, and I was in Michigan where it was, and boom, 2002, 2003, I started working with ArborJet, so Now I've been with Arborjet for eighteen going on nineteen years, and I'll honestly say that I will retire someday and still be part of the uh, field of arboriculture. Wow, that's as uh, short as it can get. Um, I love talking, and I love arboriculture, and I love history, but um, that's how I got into it.
1: Now, Joe, you doing working for both of those companies prior to coming to Arborjet? You got hired on as a climber or
0: ground tech. Uh, what else were you doing, applicator? You know, the, the company Alpine was so small, you had to do everything. Yeah, that's um, I I didn't know. You know, I'd climb trees, but never professionally with rope and saddle. You know, for family and friends, taking a branch down. You know, you know, just shitting your ass up there and then make a cut. But oh yeah, you didn't realize the hazard there until someone pointed it out. So uh, Steve and uh, the other owner, Paul Schaefer those guys taught me how to climb, you know? And then like I said, I, if you can see in my shop uh, above me, I have a pulley and a clevis where if I'm on a call, I'll actually sit in my rope and saddle and swing around while I'm talking. Uh, they got, they taught me how to climb. And then I took my climbing experience and uh, over to Chaz F Irish. Now Chaz F Irish was a lot bigger company, historic company. And with my pesticide applicators card, I already had five or six years of plant health care under my belt. Yeah, I kind of started to manage the plant health care and the climbing departments. So it was, it was, it was the best of both worlds. So if somebody didn't show up, which happens in the tree care business, um, I'd plug a hole in the dam. I'd either go do plant health care for that day or I'd go take a tree down. Um, I still, uh, I still love both sides of it. I still love, I rec climb. Michigan's got some good uh, programs where they, uh, they do rec climbs and uh, not as much as I probably should, but yeah, started off dragon brush, like most guys, uh, spraying a few trees. I, re- I remember the first time they sent me out on a spray rig. They go, you gotta go out and spray these houses today. I'm like, for what? I'm like, well, uh, it was, I think it was early spring for leaf disease. I'm like, well, how am I supposed to know what to spray? like, I don't know, figure it out. And they pushed me out the door and I went out and figured it out on my own.
1: Wow. Thrown to the fire. What better way to learn, huh? Yeah, it was
0: awesome. It was awesome. Uh, how did you, you know, Corey, we have a, we talk a, a quite a bit through work, but how did, um,
2: how did you get involved? You know, we were talking about some of your extracurriculars, you know, obviously a professional skier, but why, how, harbor culture. how did you get into that?
1: Yeah, no, great, great question, Joe. So uh, similar to you, I was in, um, must have been sixth or seventh grade. And I remember that, that science teacher that, that really got, got me excited about it because uh, he's my dad, Mr. Lofi. Anyhow, back in southeastern Wisconsin, we had some courses on biology. And when we got to the trees and we got to talking about, uh, you know, when you're younger and maybe you've got kids that are that age that uh, will put together a leaf sample every fall right, where they identify a maple versus an oak. Uh, obviously, we had more options to choose from back in the Midwest than we do in Colorado. Uh, but I remember putting that together around that time and showing that off to the class and just having, you know, almost made it a, a competition. But it was, just, it was just so fascinating that how much was out there. Um, so that, that was really the start. And then uh, it was around 13 years old where I got hired on full time at a nursery and greenhouse. And there was already a specialist for the indoor plants. There was a specialist for the perennials. And uh, there, were, there were even specialists just for shrubs. But I kind of gravitated, uh, gravitated towards the trees. And uh, when it come, came time to uh, wrap up high school and select uh, my next steps in life, I ended up going to Wisconsin at Stevens Point. where uh, Amazing I had, school. Yeah, great, great, uh, you know, outdoor school kind of uh, really good with the natural resources. And I actually think I met you there. Did you, did you ever did you ever work with Rich Hower or Les Warner? Yes. or anything? You, I actually met you, Joe. And we haven't, it, it, folks listening, we haven't talked about this before. I met Arborjet Joe Aiken <laughs> in uh, must have been two thousand eight, two thousand nine you came and did a demo with uh, some of the, uh, some of the trunk injection equipment.
0: You know, I, uh, it was funny that you brought that up. I actually, the first, I still have a Wisconsin EAB guidebook from that year in my office.
2: And uh, there was a bunch of professors up on stage with 300 arborists in a room talking about, there's nothing you can do that all the trees in Michigan have died already. And I raised my hand, they didn't know who I was. And I'm like, how do you know that all the trees in Michigan died? And he says, well, we seen it. And I says, well, I'm from Detroit, Michigan. I'll tell you right now, all the ash trees are not dead. It was like someone stopped the music playing and everybody started asking me questions. And I kind of felt bad because they stopped asking the panel questions. Hey,
1: that's okay.
2: Yeah, it was a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes
1: life experiences can go, can go just as far. Uh, But yeah. So anyhow, that, I think that's where I met you, Joe, 10, 15, whatever, however many years ago it was. Um, but anyhow, uh, through a series of, of failed internships and uh, opportunities, I actually climbed my first tree out in Virginia, working for a company out there just for the summer. And professionally, I guess you could say climbed it, although I really just, you know, I tied the Blake's hitch and the foreman at the time, you know, watched me struggle to get up this, this, uh, this tree. But Everybody laughed. Oh, yeah, but it was fun. I mean, you got to get exposed to it at some point. And I was hooked, you know, just, just like you talk about how you get that chainsaw on your hand. And, you know, it's just it's, it's, it's a sensory overload. And, um, you know, from there, I didn't, even, I didn't even look for positions doing anything else uh, other than skiing or guiding. Um, any manual labor I was going to do or anything I wanted to do in, uh, in a career setting was going to be the trees. So I uh, ended up moving around the country uh, skiing and guiding, you know, Alaska, uh, Jackson Hole, Colorado. Moved to Minnesota to start uh, working with the tree outfit there because they really needed somebody that uh, had an interest in trees and uh, had a background or education in it. So we took that, rolled with that, learned how to climb a little bit better. Um, but man, once they got the bucket truck, I suddenly – that elbow doesn't work as well. That shoulder doesn't work as well. You know, 75-foot 75, 75 rear mount bucket truck, uh, you know, you get you get real creative with coming
2: up with reasons on why you need to use it. Oh, it went out every day, yeah. Oh. You know what's it's interesting is that, you know, you're obviously a few years younger than me, and – um, one of the questions I always have in today's industry is that obviously um, both you and I are, are in the plant healthcare direction in our careers now, uh, looking for solutions, tree preservation. Um, one tree preservation is a term I don't think we use enough in the industry, but um, yeah, shoot, my body hurts. <laughs> and uh, what if, what if I would have went to plant healthcare sooner? It wouldn't have climbed and put my body through what I did for as long as I did. Yeah, that's
1: that's a good point, Joe. But th- and but think about how much more of a well-rounded arborist you are, and the folks in the industry that can combine right all these different facets. I mean, you get a, a way more complete picture. And something you and I talk about, and I'm happy to go there right now, is uh, our field, the field of arboriculture and forestry. It's bigger than just plant health care. It's bigger than just climate.
2: Most definitely. Uh, you know, there's a, you know, we, we've all, both well, you and I have got some amazing opportunities through the years, you know, in and because of this industry. Um, just so the audience knows that I technically are supposed to be the East Coast and Corey's on the other side of the Mississippi. So we got to We're going to have a really well diverse group of
0: uh, professionals that we can call on around North America. So it's going to be pretty exciting um, as we continue to move forward in this, this podcast endeavor.
1: Yeah, no, it's going to be exciting for sure, Joe. I mean, you've got contacts and I look forward to seeing where we go with this podcast, but you've got, you've got different parts of forestry that uh, a lot of people, if you don't study it in college, or if you're not, part of the forest service or you know working with the feds you just
2: won't get yeah you know what's um i'm i was laughing the other day i had some uh and i said i i do love arbor culture but i'm realistic enough to realize that um i think one of the most profound presentations i've ever went to was early in my career it's got to be 20 25 years ago Dr. Kim Coder from the University of Georgia, phenomenal presenter. I'm not even sure if he's presenting anymore. He's probably retired, but his first thing that really had a like a revelation to me was that a tree is a living organism and then they're all gonna fail. And I'm standing there like, holy and he goes, and then he goes, but in whose lifetime is it? I'm like, all right, now I got it. So I I'm thinking about making this um I have a sawmill also. What I was trying to get to is that I know trees have to come down. Um, and I know that uh, there's a big push, uh, especially in Minnesota, Wisconsin right now, about urban wood reutilization. So part of the neat thing that you and I can discuss is it's not all about plant health care, uh, that, that pile of chainsaws behind me. It's about all the other great things that we get to do with wood. I'm a craftsman. So I got a, I got a portable sawmill and I love playing with it, but I'm going to make a shadow box because I am such a pack rat that I probably have never thrown away in 20 years, a single name tag or a badge from a conference that I attended. Wow. And talk about that 25 years of not only attending conferences and classes, but presenting, uh, in the heyday, I could probably have done 30 or 40 presentations in a season. Wow. So I'm going to put that together. Uh, and you're right. Um, I um, I chose a, a different path. Uh, never finished my degree, even though I tried a few times. But uh, the life experience of being in the field and then attending, I don't know, what do you think, uh, 50 to 60 a year for 20 years? of seminars and conferences and ISA events and TCIA conferences, it's, it's been pretty amazing. Yeah. What's, what's that worth, Joe?
1: Because in our industry, we do need to raise the bar. So part of, you know, part of my vision for the conversations we have is just raise the bar. You know, not everybody has to go to college for this. Not, you know, not everybody needs to go to all the conferences that you and I are so blessed to be able to be a part of. But just to open our minds to the opportunity and you know you and I talk to tree professionals every day guys and gals and uh, university is great and I don't think either you nor I would um, dissuade anyone from going but it can't beat what 30 40 years in the industry holding all these positions and it just can't it just can't beat that uh, there are so many things that I'm grateful for for the education with with uh, Dr. Howard Warner Daruska back in Wisconsin. But you get out of there and it's humbling, isn't it, Joe? I mean every week you and I just we learn something new or we we get exposed to something that we wouldn't have otherwise.
2: Oh yeah. You know, and like I said the last like I said the last, you know, five or six years I've been really involved in preserving the history of Arbor culture, which is and I I've always been a hip history buff, but I'm like There's got to, you know, we have phenomenal companies like Davy, Bartlett, Ash Blunt, right? Trees almost 90 years old, for God's sakes. We got some big tree companies that have been around since. uh, Sure, I got John Davy's book behind me from 1902. Wow. The tree surgeon. And you think about what we do, and um, it's pretty cyclic how if we don't pay attention to history, we're going to repeat ourselves. So. I've been involved, uh, you know, recently, you know, thank God for, uh, the company we work for. I get to, I get to dabble in the history and, you know, part of my responsibility is restoring a historic sawmill and, uh, showing, uh, the world what arboriculture is going to be about. So and it keeps changing it, for as much as it's has it keeps changing. Doesn't it? We're on a, we're on an incline. Yeah. Um, yeah. Arbor culture is becoming more and more recognized. Um, these nifty lifts. Uh, I was laughing the other day. My neighbor helped me push a ball cart up a hill, and uh, I was laughing. I said, you know what? If you went to an arborist today and told him to grab a ball cart, he probably wouldn't know what you're talking about. Yeah, what's Everybody, that? Everybody's got a little mini loader. Um, everything's recognized, and there's a purpose for it. Don't get me wrong; I'm not bashing it. I sure wish I had had a mini loader to pull those logs up the hill, but. Um, I didn't, but mm. it, it is exciting. There are things, you know, if you think about the climbing techniques as when you learn versus the co- climbing technique that they're all using now. and there's a lot of uh, DRS, which was double rope, not a single rope. And did
1: you, did you did you learn how to climb on a Blake's hitch, Joe? Actually, before the Blake's, a taunt line. A taunt line. I've only heard of that.
2: Yeah, it's. Um, <laughs> What's amazing is that the blakes and the taunt line. Well, the blakes is a lot safer than the taunt line, but those knots would run if you weren't paying attention. And if you didn't put a stopper knot on the tail, you could be up there working, next thing you know, because every time you load it and unload it, it would work itself free. And next thing you know, you're you're taking a, a little run to the ground faster than you thought.
1: Ah, uncontrolled rapid descent. What um Joe, what do you what do you climb on now? You know, if if I do a rec climb or two a year, it's gonna be off of VT and I'm gonna have somebody double check my knot because I don't do it enough. But what do you what do you climb off of? What does Arborjet Joe use?
2: You know, it really all depends on how long I'm gonna be in the tree. Um that's what's amazing is that um one of my good friends is uh Kevin Bingham who uh invented the rope wrench. So he took a theory and then put it from he's one of the guys that really started revolutionizing out, climbing and doing tree work on a single rope. And then just by attending these conferences. So I like the rope wrench, uh, single rope uh, system, but I found a new knot that because it's, you know what, back in the day there was two ropes and until the early nineties, when uh, Samson came up with Arborplex, everybody claimed on, on uh, what three strand manila rope. And you had two or three things you could do with it. There's got to be 300 different types of cordage right now and press it cords and hitches. Wow. And so I like, believe it or not, I like the uh, the Petzl Zigzag. Um, I feel really comfortable on it. And they came out uh, with a chicane that is uh, kind of, a I don't want to say a knockoff because I don't want to disrespect anybody, but it is another friction device put above on a single line event on a device that wasn't designed for a single line hmm. but and then uh, by attending all these events um a great arborist down in kentucky uh, showed me the catalan which is another friction knot with a pressure cord on srs with a rope wrench that is my favorite now it's my all-time go-to knot no kidding yeah you can load it, unload it. It doesn't adjust. It's, um, it just stays right there. And it's actually, it's, it's amazing how some of these guys just by one turn, one twist, one loop in how it changes, how that reacts on the line. So that's what I'm going on. But if I, you know, if I'm playing around rec climbing, I'll throw the, I'll put the zigzag up there. Sure. Um, I like the hand ascender, you know, I'm getting a little older and slower. So I'll go to a, a two to one or a three to one and put a hand ascender with a micro pulley on there and put my foot ascender on, pull myself up. Um, it's actually pretty fun playing around with all that stuff.
1: Yeah, no, that's something I wish, I wish we had more of. And I, I don't know what things look like uh, on the east side of the Mississippi. I know there's, there are a couple of groups in Denver as well as in Salt Lake that do rec climbs. So for any of the arborists listening, I'm sure everybody's community has a Facebook page that they could be a part of. And that's where that's where when Joe, when you and I still go to these climbing contests and we get to see what some of these younger guys and gals are doing
2: and we can get exposed to the new stuff. I mean it's incredible. Yeah, you know what I, I gotta be careful because I don't do it daily anymore, but there's some really impressive and amazing stuff being introduced to these young guys. Um but I had a I had a good discussion The other day with uh, a newer young arborist, uh, a tree climber, certified tree climber, he's like, man, do you know how to tie the blakes or the taunt line? And he's like, why would I need that? Today's technology. We don't need that stuff anymore. And I'm thinking, well, you might still want to be able to start with the basics because if anything ever happened with your mechanical device, how are you going to get out of the tree? That's just it. It's a safety. It's safety. And unfortunately, there's more and more people climbing and um there's still a lot of guys getting hurt every year in the climbing side so yeah it's great to see some of this new stuff coming out um yeah i think I, i'm not you know what a lot of it is all closed systems so there's no exposure to an open system like the old blakes that or the taunt line what can be an open system but um it's it's an amazing it's 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 amazing how fast it's growing and how many cool things are coming out? Like I said, I'm a gadget guy. I could I could go to a a, a tree care supplier and just walk around for hours picking all that crap up and playing around with it.
1: Well, Christmas Christmas is
2: coming, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna, gonna speak up there, maybe even tomorrow to my local distributor and see what else they got, what kind of sales got going on.
1: You know what? We should try out some of that stuff and give it a review.
2: I think um yeah, I, I think it would be good. I, You know, because I think we could do it. Um, what's the word I'm thinking? You know, we could do it unbiased. Um, like, I said, like I said, I got my 40 years experience, your 20 years experience. Um, speaking of, ex- when's the last time you've been in a tree, Corey? <laughs>
1: well, oh, man. Um, officially tied in rope and saddle and all that. It would be, it would be September of 2019 and it was a 28 inch Kentucky coffee tree. Okay. And uh, it was for, that was for a non for profit event that I'm sure we'll discuss at some point later, but um, it was for a good cause. And I was around some really good uh, arborists and up and coming arborists. And of course, of course they, they tied the knot um, to get me up there. But yeah, I, I still do like to get up there. I wish, I wish I had more time for it. Um, and I, I think in this off season, especially as you and I are, are kind of getting ready for virtual trade shows and everything else. I think, uh, it's going to open up some ap- afternoons where, Hey, I, I live, you know, 15, 20 minutes from Rocky Mountain national park. I'm going to go find a, a big old pondy and I'm going to work my way to the top. Um, if there are any listeners in the Denver area Hit me up. Let me know, and uh, we'll go do it.
2: Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I, th- I think uh, don't lose your roots. Don't lose yeah. your your beginning of it. Um, I'm a. I'm one of the biggest tree nerds you're ever gonna meet, and I love the science side of it. You know, God help me. I, I. We, there's a saying that the the more you know, the less you know. Yeah. And And um, I'm finding that out to be true. You think that after so many years. That you know where what direction you go, but I honestly can say I'm still excited about this industry as I was 40 years ago. That's so cool. Um, That's so cool to hear it from you, Joe. And uh, you know what I you know and I and I I sense it from you. You know, we care. We care about what we do and who we talk to and how we say it. And you know, there's ethics there, and that's all we're going to do is make sure everybody knows that what we're talking about is the best of our knowledge and um, we're going to do it right. We're going to, we're going to tell you what we feel and how we feel about it. That's a hundred percent right, Joe. I, I don't
1: see that going anywhere else for, for us or for this group. Um, you know, it, it is exciting though, to think about how many different perspectives that, that we're going to be able to bring into this thing.
2: Yeah. You know what I said You with your, with your, just getting to know each other more, you know, letting our, our listeners know more about each other. But I, I think the GoPro is going to be fun. So <laughs> when you go up get that ponderosa pine, you find a good, you know, a, a whopper and you get up in there. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll um, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, one of our uh, podcasts, um, we're going to have to tape ourselves with sending in, because I have some 100 to 120 foot virgin white pines on our property up north. Wow. So they're 40 to 45 inches in diameter. They're mammoth. Um, I'll I'll do the same thing. I'll ascend into one of them big babies and you send into one of yours. Oh I don't, maybe we'll do part of the podcast from the top of a tree. You know what? We we
1: could do we could do the podcast from the top. I like that idea, Joe. Uh I like that I Now I'm gonna have to find a bucket truck or somebody to haul me up there a hundred feet. <laughs> and just get you up in there, so you do and then act like you're all out of breath. Woo! That was a tough Ooh, elevation. Really gets to you. No, that that wow. would be really that would be really cool, Joe. I can't promise that we're gonna. Well, I don't think we're gonna find any white pines out here that size, but um, we'll find something. I'll get into a podcast and uh, riff a little bit, and then folks can uh, let us know what they think.
2: Yeah, you know, and that's all part of it is um with our contacts and our years of experience in the industry, I just hope that the listeners
0: um uh give us an opportunity to let us know what what's on their mind and we can dig some we could dig in on it and help them out.
1: That's a hundred percent it, Joe. That 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 is gonna be our, our main focus is giving back to the industry, um just bringing in a bunch of different perspectives, different experts in different fields. But there are people that are listening to this podcast right now or, or will be when it airs that I'm sure you, you and I can learn a ton off of. And if we don't take advantage of that and get them on this platform and in front of other people to tell, we're not doing our due diligence as uh, leading arborists uh, in this day and age.
2: Yeah. Well, you know what? There's been a lot of it. And like I said, it's not like we're, um, we, I don't, I don't know of any other arbor culture podcasts and I, I may be naive and I really didn't dig. So, uh, if there are, um, God bless you. Keep going. If there's, if there's not, maybe we need more, but we definitely need more, Joe. In today's day and age, um, we have this forum where we can spread a lot of information quickly to a lot of people that could that could benefit from it. And I don't know about you, Corey, but I'm I'm willing to learn too. I I want to learn something. No, that's that's the beauty of it
1: is I think you and I are both at places in our careers where we, for as much as we've seen and as little as we know, right, there's always a lot more that we can figure out. And if, if, if folks have been exposed maybe they're coming from outside industries come to this one, um, it's exciting, new technology, new people, new generations are coming up. So I, I, we've got some really good topics that we can be talking to people about. And, um, Joe, you and I are both going to learn a lot. I mean, all the listeners, hopefully they get something out of it too. So it's not just, not just a therapy session, not just because our therapist told us, Joe, that we need to talk to more people.
2: Well, you know, it, it's. It, I just hope that the, the listeners understand that it's not always going to be strictly arboriculture, urban forestry. Um, I want to take them to my mill. I want to take them to a sawmill. Urban Wood Reutilization, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, urban Wood Network is a huge nationwide organization that um, the last stats that I've seen is like $1.8 billion dollars worth of timber is wrecked and trashed every year because we don't do anything with it out of urban landscapes. Wow. It's staggering. It is absolutely staggering. But I know that uh, a university of Wisconsin, Stephen Point is big on urban wood realization. Minnesota is getting bigger. Uh, Michigan state university now has a shadows program where we can go visit them and any tree that comes down on campus goes to the shadows program oh, and they're cool. reutilizing into, into things. Um, you guys can't see it, but if you look right down here, if you guys uh, check us out on YouTube, um, making signs. As my buddy bought a CNC wood mill where he's making wooden signs out of the, some of the scraps from my sawmill. Oh, how cool uh, is that, Joe? So there's all kinds of things that we can be doing um in urban forestry that um we we may not discuss enough if that makes sense yeah and for folks too joe you and i've talked about this in greater detail but it would be
1: really nice to to get some of the listeners perspective what what do the listeners want to hear about if they want to hear about the newest chainsaw or maybe some protective equipment or hey what What are people in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, what are they doing in the winter to stay warm? How do your hands not ice up? The topics are endless. So we could take it whatever direction you want to go, uh, whatever direction the listeners want to go. We're we're happy to help at least facilitate the
2: conversation. Oh my God, Jed. I think we have enough contacts through through the industry. Uh, I was very fortunate that, uh, we're going to share on one of our podcasts is I had an opportunity to, sp- to speak with the former president of the Michigan State Forestry Club, who now works for the U.S. Forest Service out in Idaho. Um, she's doing uh, a, a smoke jumping and she's doing it all. And we had an opportunity to sit down with her over the summer when she was in town. And, um, you know, even that, the forestry side, it's oh, yeah. There's some amazing young um, foresters coming out of these programs that I'd love to highlight some of the things that they get to do. Uh, A lot of that stuff trickles down to us eventually, but maybe we can cause a bridge to get some important stuff from the USDA to the state to the guys in the field on an everyday tree cliff.
1: Let them know that, you know, it's not just a tunnel vision. It's not, it's not just a timber cruising. It's not just a buck and chuck removal service. You know, there's more, Joe. There's more out there. And that's how we're going to raise the bar. That, that's how we're going to move this industry forward.
2: Oh, yeah. We could talk about the bar I'm sitting at. I made a bar for a trade show from a tree I had to take down to my own property. And I because I preserved that uh, historic white pine and created something with it, it's going to be a family heirloom that's going to be passed down, and my kids are going to fight over it. Heck, I got a Santa Claus came and visited my kids this weekend, and I got some backdrops that are made from reclaimed telephone poles, Western red cedar, and they're beautiful. Wow. So where'd you get those? Um, a good friend and a, a good um partner in I Arbor culture, uh Jason Capan, uh does energy clearance in Michigan. And he had a pile of them, and we got them milled up into some slab wood and I, I made them traditionally for a trade show because let's let's face it, anybody in the tree industry or anything with with this green industry, it's it's a warm loving feeling. It's like I, I'll set up one time for a taping in front of the wood burning stove and just have the fire crackling, but it's just the warmth that that wood gives a rough cut uh, backdrop. So Santa Claus even loved it, and he asked me if I could probably make him one for his. So some of the other events that he asked to stop and do, and I told him that I would love to help Santa Claus out. <laughs> you got to
1: help Santa. plus that earns you a spot on the nice list
2: for quite a few years, Joe. Yeah, if I would just you know I got I to gotta keep my mouth shut. I don't want to lose any Santa points. Mm. But uh, it was really exciting to um, to see some you know to see what you and I are excited about, to see someone else excited about it it's got to keep me going. So yeah, please, if you guys, get, if there's anybody out there, um, let us know, you know, there's some, um, we're going to, we're going to set up some really cool interviews with some really amazing people in the industry. Um, uh, I'm, I'm getting excited about it, trying to figure out who and what and when and get it all set up. So it's gonna be fun.
1: That's right, folks. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we'll both be here and uh, in the outro we'll get you some of the contact info so that you can send us any of your questions concerns maybe you've got a good idea that we can take in and, and run with and once again this is just for the uh, betterment of our industry so thanks for tuning in
2: yeah and like I said um, whatever you need to do reach out to us and let us know and we're here for you and I'm looking forward to sharing my uh my 40 something years with you guys and hopefully you can learn something of it and Please teach me something too.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, guys. See you soon.
2: All right, Corey. Peace out. Hey, great
1: topic
0: today. Yes, lots of good information. Yeah, probably one of our best yet.
2: If you enjoyed the podcast or have topics you would like to discuss, please send them to discoveringforestry at gmail.com. And please hit the subscribe button and tell a
0: friend. Thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Joe. And I'm Corey. Signing Signing out. out.